Welcome to The Refresh from Insider, presented by WebEx by Cisco. I'm Dave Smith. And I am Rebecca Ibarra. It's Friday, April 15th, and we're bringing you real-time news, fresh like live radio, but on demand like podcasts. Here's the latest. At the TED conference in Vancouver yesterday afternoon, Elon Musk was interviewed on stage about buying Twitter. He said, I don't care about the economics at all. That statement might not sit well with, say, shareholders or Twitter's board or, come to think of it, mutual or hedge fund managers. Musk would likely need to help finance the deal. Musk also admits he only decided to try a takeover within the past week, and he doesn't know who would run the company or how he would handle content moderation, among other issues. Russia's flagship in the Black Sea, the Moskva, or Moscow in Russian, has sunk. Russia claims the missile cruiser suffered an accident with its ammunition, but Ukraine says it hit the ship with two Neptune missiles. If confirmed, it will be another blow to Russia's war effort and morale. A woman in St. Petersburg has been arrested for replacing supermarket price tags with anti-war messages. Alexandra Skochilenko is an artist and musician, and she now faces up to 10 years in prison for violating Russia's draconian fake news law. Her updated price tags included messages like, violence is never the way out, and information, accurate information it seems, about Russian attacks on Ukrainian civilians. The Republican National Committee announced it's pulling out of the bipartisan commission that organizes presidential debates. The GOP has complained that the Commission on Presidential Debates favors Democrats, although a Republican member of the group publicly said that the accusations are not true and undermine trust in the democratic process. The RNC says debates will still happen, but it's unclear how they'd be organized or what they'll look like. When you look up at the night sky this weekend, you'll see April's pink moon. It'll be full and it'll be beautiful, but it won't actually be pink. Native Americans initially named it that because they associated it with the blooming of a pink wildflower. For them, this full moon marked the end of winter and the start of renewed growth. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at therefresh at insider.com. Coming up, we talk about the difficult juggling act of being a working parent during the pandemic and some tips to help those parents out there manage it all. WebEx is driving hybrid work by ensuring almost anyone, almost anywhere can be seen, heard, and have the ability to contribute equally. Learn more at webex.com slash hybrid work. The family of Patrick Leoya want the officer who shot their son identified and charged. An officer in Grand Rapids, Michigan, shot Leoya in the head following an altercation that ensued from a traffic stop. Here's civil rights attorney Ben Crump. You see a police officer escalate a minor traffic stop into a deadly execution. Leoya's family, who came to the U.S. to escape war in Congo, spoke publicly Thursday. The prosecutor on the case says it'll take some time to decide whether charges are warranted. Bipartisan support in Texas is building to cancel Melissa Lucio's execution. Over 100 lawmakers in Texas's legislature are asking the courts or governor to overturn her execution scheduled at the end of the month. Who is Melissa Lucio? She was sentenced to death in 2008 for killing her two-year-old daughter, Mariah. Since then, she's maintained her innocence. And five jurors who convicted her are now expressing doubts amid new evidence that Mariah accidentally fell down the stairs. The 
Texas DA who initially requested her execution is now saying he'll step in to stop it. A federal judge has ordered the sole suspect in Tuesday's New York City subway shooting to remain in jail ahead of trial. 62-year-old Frank James was also ordered to undergo a psychiatric evaluation. James has been charged with a single count of committing a terrorist act or other violent attack against a mass transit system. That's a felony and if convicted could carry a life sentence. The U.S. Treasury says North Korean hackers stole $625 million in cryptocurrency from the Ronin network. The hackers are part of the Lazarus Collective, which took down Sony back in 2014. This attack targeted the blockchain that supports a play-to-earn cryptocurrency game called Axie Infinity, which is super complicated to explain, but all you need to know is that the Treasury and FBI are on the case. If Ethereum-based online games are your thing, the Ronin network should be brought back online by the end of the month. When's the last time you stepped outside, huh? Got some fresh air? It's okay, you don't have to answer that, but you may want to know that National Park Week starts tomorrow, and to celebrate, the National Park Service is offering free entry tomorrow, Saturday, to all of its 423 sites. Now, it's just one day, and only about 100 of the most popular parks even charge fees the rest of the year, but still, enjoy. A 49-year-old man from Pomfret, Maryland, was found dead in his home in January, and officials determined this week that he died from a snake bite. I wish I could say I was surprised, but this man reportedly owned 124 snakes in his home, including a 14-foot python and many venomous species like rattlesnakes, cobras, and black mambas. The chief animal control officer for Charles County reportedly said in his more than 30 years of experience, he had never seen anything like this before. Since the start of the pandemic, rates of anxiety, depression, and loneliness are skyrocketing, especially among young people. This mental health crisis is taking a toll on working parents who have to split their time between meetings and worrying about their children's mental well-being. Insider's Rebecca Knight has two children, they're 14 and 11, and she reached a breaking point recently. So I knew that I had a a meeting, but I also had a parent-teacher conference about some, some stuff that was going on in my daughter's classroom that I was a little concerned about. And so I had the meeting with her teachers, which was emotional. I'm not going to lie. I, 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 got, I got emotional. And then I had to go immediately into a meeting with my team and talk about goals for the quarter. And, and it was a, it, I was distraught. I was, it, this is an experience that I think a lot of working parents are having right now because they are trying to fit a lot, of, a lot into their workdays, as you always are. But there's also a lot of mental health challenges going on with kids. Yeah, let's talk about that. So I obviously can't identify, unfortunately, because I'm not a parent yet. But what is it like to be a working parent right now? Two years into this wrenching pandemic, and we know, I think a a task force just came out recently saying that kids eight years old, every single kid eight years old, should be screened for anxiety because we know the mental health challenges that kids lost so much when schools were shut. They lost a lot of opportunities to socialize with their peers. They lost Uh, face-to-face interaction with teachers. And so we are really consumed with their well-being and and are, are they okay? And this is a question we find ourselves asking all the time, including when we're in the middle of our workday and we should be in a Zoom meeting. Yeah, I mean, you know, being a working parent, obviously juggling is nothing new for you, but what is so different about now? 
I've often reflected on this thinking to myself, is it harder to be a working parent today than it was for my parents' generation? Mm-hmm. And I've come to the conclusion that yes, it is harder. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. Number one, we didn't have social media when we were kids. So there's that element that we have that's sort of adding to our worries and concerns about their development. And then our work lives are just so much more intense. All of us carry around these little machines in the form of our smartphones that are filling our inboxes and our Slack channels with things we should be doing and thinking about for work. Um, and, and so it's just, it's really hard to shut off. Yeah, and it seems it's a very difficult to win sort of scenario. What can employers do to help? I mean, as you said yourself, you're not a parent, but this pandemic has affected you. It's affected all of us. Employers need to understand on a human dimension, people are still struggling. The pandemic is not over. And so acknowledging that it's happening, trying, having individual managers say to their employees, but in particular, their working parents who have to have a lot of caregiving responsibilities, hey, Maybe you're going through something. Uh, let me know if I can help. Yeah, that's great advice. I, I like that it's even just as simple as just checking in and saying, is there anything I can do? Just from a very basic level. But, you know, Rebecca, I do consider you an expert in a lot of things. Oh, <laughs> and so, oh please. I mean, you've been, you've been doing this thing for a while, you know, both being a working journalist and being a mother. So what advice do you have for working parents out there when they're having a tough time with their child or with work? How do you handle all of this? This one woman I spoke with, Sarah Peck, she is the founder of Startup Parent, which is a community for women executives. And she talked about the idea of using your calendar blocking and using it as liberally as you can. If you're going to speak to your child's teacher or therapist, give yourself time to regroup, recover, take that time, have a little cry, journal if it helps. This is a lesson that I learned the hard way last week. Uh, in in trying to do something back to back to back. Mm. And you said I'm an expert, but I've never had a 14-year-old before. This is my first time parenting a 14-year-old. And so I'm a novice at that. Uh, So so I think that just having a little bit of, don't being so hard on yourself, we're going to get through, but but it is going to take some time. That's good advice. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you. Rebecca Knight is a senior correspondent for Insider covering careers and the workplace. Make sure to follow The Refresh from Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave a rating and review. It helps other people discover the show. The Refresh from Insider is produced by Frank Alito, Grace Eliza Goodwin, and us, Dave Smith. And Rebecca Ibarra. Carrie Donahue is our executive producer. Andy Bowers is head of audio at Insider. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend.